Thank you for listening to the Pentecostals of Bossier City Sermon Podcast. For more information, including our live webcast schedules, please visit www.pobc.cc. Just a quick comment about my precious friend Donald Littleton. I shall always remember him with his men's conference towel doing this while I preached. I won't ever forget that. He loved this church. He loved these people. He was away from God, away from the Father's house for many, many, many years. And Donald and his wife Linda moved here because they have two sons that live here in Bossier. And when they retired, they moved to Bossier. Felt like God gave them this place where they lived. But it wasn't long after they came in 2007, Sister Linda told me that she would just say, Brother, tell her husband, I'm going to church. If you want to go, you're welcome to go. She never put any pressure on him. And one night, one morning, he got ready. And he came with her to the house of God. He came for a long time. She would come to the front and pray. He would sit in his seat and cry. Donald Littleton was a crybaby. He, he cried about everything. He was precious. He was our gentle giant. But she said one morning, and I remember it vividly, she was right here praying, and she heard him. Our beloved Jerry Falk, who's now to be with the Lord, brought him to the altar that morning. Just Jerry Falk, the sweetest man ever, just said, you want to go down and pray. He was so tall I had to do this to lay my hand on his head. But he began to speak in tongues and he never looked back. But a few weeks after that, without his wife, he was sitting over here. And that's the night the Holy Ghost fell on him. And he said, I never had anything happen to me like that in my life. He was so precious. His wake will be in Ball, Louisiana at Gallagher's Funeral Home from 5 until 8 tomorrow night, and his funeral will be at 10 at the same funeral home Tuesday morning. The Littletons have family that work at that funeral home, and that's why they're going down there for the memorial service. I know I don't have to ask you to pray for the family. These are precious people, and we will miss them. So it is with all of this on my heart that I announced my text this morning, turning my whys into worship. The psalmist said in 30 and 1 of Psalms, Thou hast turned for me, that word me is precious, because this has to be personalized. <clears throat> this pronoun brings this promise to my life. Thou hast turned for me, my morning, into dancing. My brothers and sisters, it's a long way from morning to dancing. That's a leap. That's a stretch even in your imagination. But for me, he said, he turned my morning into dancing. Thou hast put off my sackcloth 
and girded me with gladness. David's sin, King David's sin of adultery and then an accomplice to murder of a very good, innocent man cost him dearly. He pronounced his own judgment when Nathan the prophet came to him and told him a story about a poor man with one lamb and a rich man with many lambs. The poor man kept the lamb in his house. Kept him in his house. If you will study closely this text, you will understand how much this one man cared for this lamb. He said, we ate out of the same cup. Some of you have dogs that you cherish but you give them your cereal bowl when you've eaten all the cereal you let them lap up the milk but I don't think y'all eat it together maybe you do and I'm cool with that my dad tried to talk me out of kissing girls by saying a dog's mouth is cleaner than a girl's Never kissed my wife until I married her. <laughs> I will add a P.S. to that. She wasn't my wife until I married her. <laughs> Took you a little while to get that, didn't it? You girls don't let every boy run around here kiss on you. If he hadn't taken you to dinner, bought you a lunch, bought you a gift, bought you a dog or something, (laughs) tell him to hit the road, Jack, and don't come back. This has nothing to do with my message, but I'll give God the credit. He kind of steered me that way. I'll blame it on the Lord, all right? David's sin cost him dearly. So when he heard the story about the man who had many lambs and the man who had one lamb, he said, I took him in my house. We drank out of the same cup. He was like a child to me. When David heard it, he got mad, he got angry, and he said, he's going to pay four times. This man will pay four times for what he did. He didn't know it was a parable. And Nathan the prophet said, you're the man, David. This is what you did. David fell on his face and he said, I've sinned against God. And he was frightened. His words are recorded in Psalm 51 when he said, Lord, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Take not thine Holy Spirit from me. This little child was born sick. The child born out of his adulterous relationship with Bathsheba, was born sick. He lived for seven days. David laid on his face and would not eat. He fasted, hoping God would have mercy, but David had already pronounced his own judgment. In 2 Samuel 12, 
19 and 20, the Bible said, when David saw that his servants whispered, perceived that the child was dead, he said unto his servants, is the child dead? And they said, he is dead. And David arose from the earth, washed and anointed himself. You see, David knew this was his fault. He changed his apparel. He took off the sackcloth. He took off the garment of heaviness. He changed his apparel and came into the house of the Lord and worshiped. Of all days for me to forget my iPad. <laughs> I perhaps could preach to you if I had my iPad and we'd all just worship in the dark. Why don't we just do that for a moment to see if they can get our lighting system back on, all right? There you go. David changed his apparel, came to the house of the Lord and worship. Then he came to his own house, house, and when he required, they set bread before him and he did eat. There's so much to learn. Are y'all with me? Yes. You're going to get tired there, Ryan. There's so much to learn from this verse. David's response was to go to the house of God and worship. I want to say something here for a moment. In heaven, we have had a few glimpses into heaven. There are no preachers, singers, teachers, pastors, saints. There are only worshipers. The four and twenty elders in Revelation 4 fall down before him that sat on the throne, worship him that liveth forever and ever, and cast their thrones, their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. The 24 elders represent 12 prophets from the Old Testament and 12 apostles from the New Testament. But it matters little whether you're an apostle, a prophet, or just like me, when you stand before his throne, we will have one option, and that is to worship. David went up to the house of the Lord and worshiped. In Revelation 4, the lamb was seated on a beautiful throne, and it's described in detail in Matthew 4 by John the Revelator. But in the Gospels, the lamb is riding on a donkey. So I would use those texts to say whether you're on the mountaintop or whether you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, he is still the lamb. 
whether he's on a fold of an ass or whether he's seated on the throne, he is still the lamb and irrespective of what station you may be in life right now, whether he's riding like a stallion, riding on a stallion like a king or riding on a donkey like a servant, my Jesus is worthy of my worship. Can we take about a one minute praise break this morning? God, turn my morning into dancing for just a moment. I praise you, Lord. Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive glory and honor and power. So God, whether I'm going to a revival or a memorial service, I want my prayer to be like incense and the lifting of my hands like the evening sacrifice. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Have you got anything in your heart to give him right now? Woo! Have you got anything in your heart to give him right now? You got a praise? Do you have a little worship? At whatever stage of life you're in, he's still the lamb. His mercy's new every morning. Saw a gentleman in all city Friday night at the men's rally. He's a big old fella. I've known him for years and I knew he has been battling cancer for some time. I don't know how long. But he seemed to be doing well. I don't even know his name. But I asked him how he was doing in relation to his cancer. He said, Brother Dean, I went to the doctor a couple weeks ago in Dallas. The doctors that I had seen, they ran a battery of tests on me. And he said, when I went back to this one doctor to talk to him about all the tests I'd taken, he told me that in every test that they had looked at, there was not one sign that I had ever even had cancer. I'm going to tell you something again. Whether you see him on the throne or whether you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, he said, I am God and I change not. I'm going to let him be the artist in my life and I'm going to trust him when I can't track him and I'm going to worship him because he can turn my morning into dancing. When Jesus hung on the cross, he stretched his hands toward two malefactors, knowing that one would receive him and the other would not. That one would ask for his help and the other would rail on him. But he extended his arms just the same.
And every time I walk into these doors, every time I stand here to preach, I realize that I am a miracle of the grace of God. We are all a work of the Holy Spirit. And I must never forget that. Had it not been for the Lord who was on my side, amen, and I will ever strive. I'm going to preach to you a few more minutes this morning. I will ever strive to have a new convert attitude. God gave me the baptism of the Holy Ghost when I was 11 years old. There's been a lot of water go under the bridge since then. I've had a lot of mountains and a lot of valleys. But I cannot lose that new convert attitude. I am a miracle of the grace of God. You may be the age of our beloved sister Stokely, or you may be the age of Beckham Golden. But let me explain something to you. When I got up this morning, I'm a walking testimony that God is on the throne and that his mercy is new every morning. Jesus said in Matthew 18 and 3, except you be converted and become his little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. That word converted means to turn oneself. Years ago, when I was a little fella, there was a lady who had been a nun her name was Charlotte. I don't remember Charlotte's last name. I don't know that I ever heard it. We just knew her as Sister Charlotte. She became curious about some things she was seeing in the Word of God. And one of these things was the baptism of the Holy Ghost that fell in Acts chapter 2 and 8 and 10 and 19 and Paul wrote about in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 she became curious and began to study. Her own words were that she really didn't know what the word repent meant, except she had heard somebody say that it meant to turn around. And that's what the word means. It is an about face. So she said, in my prayer time, I just started turning around. And the baptism of the Holy Ghost fell on her. And she traveled from Maine to California and gave that testimony that the baptism of the Holy Ghost is real and that it happened to her without anybody ever explaining it to her. She just got hungry for God. And she never got over that. Except you be converted you better get rid of a mentality that says entitlement, that I deserve to be here today, that I earn God's blessing. Let me tell you, I'm a product. You're a product of the grace of God, and I don't want to ever 
forget it. And here's the way you're gonna know that I haven't forget, forgotten it. When I come to the house of God, I'm gonna do what David did. I'm gonna worship. Been something moving in ever since we walked in the door this morning. Ever since the countdown to the service, there's been something here. Anything can happen here. Miracles can happen here. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Second Samuel 11, 1. Bible said it came to pass after the year was expired at the time when kings go forth to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all of Israel and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah but David tarried still at Jerusalem. David had developed an entitlement mentality. I don't have to fight anymore. I fought a lot of battles, won a lot of wars. God's blessed me, been good to me. I'm living in the palace. I'm gonna take a break. I'm gonna stay home. I'm gonna enjoy life a little bit. We've all been there a time or two when the old enemy comes and tries to test us and tempt us and keep us from seeking God like we need to seek God. But David was out of place. David said, he teacheth my hands to war. David understood that God had made him a warrior. He said he teaches my hands to war. I want to say something this morning. Hear me everyone, please. You cannot send someone else to do what you've been called to do. You can't keep up my prayer life for me. I cannot send you to do my worship. I've always been a little surprised at a preacher who preached worship while he was in the pulpit but didn't practice it when he was in the the pew. For the worship singer or leader who worships on the platform but suddenly becomes silent when they're on the pew. David chose to let others go to war and he chose to stay home and when he did, he fell into adultery and had his little girlfriend's husband abandon him battle so that he became a casualty of war. His entitlement mentality cost him dearly. I do not want that mentality. I want my wife and I to understand we are products of the grace of God. Everything I own, I owe to Jesus. Everything I possess, I owe to Jesus. The fact that I'm here with health today, I owe to Jesus. The fact that I'm still alive, I owe to Jesus. Everything, this building, these pews, the people I'm worshiping with, it's all God's. We owe it to him. We don't have an entitlement mentality. It's not time to stay home from the battle. It's time to do some more war on the floor and come into the house of God and worship. I wish you'd clap your hands right now. I wish everybody in the building, I wish everybody from the back wall to the platform 
would give a little Holy Ghost praise to God. I'm only here because he loved me enough to give his life for me. Titus, Paul said to Titus in chapter one, he said, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by putting on of my hands. It's my responsibility to keep something stirred up. He said, Titus, we gave you that gift when we laid our hands on you, but it's your responsibility to stir it up. I don't know exactly how to keep that stirred up. It may be different from you than it is for me. I don't know. But here's what I do know. I can't take anything for granted in my walk with God. Whoo, hallelujah. I'm fixing to bust out here this morning. You're gonna have to look over me. You're just gonna have to look past me. I can't help myself. Oh God, I wanna stir something up in me. I've walked through more valleys of the shadow of death with more of you than I can count and don't even want to count. But let me tell you, through it all, he's been good to us. Are you hearing me this morning? It doesn't matter whether he's seated on a throne in Revelation or whether he comes in on a donkey, he's still worthy. My God is worthy, and I'm gonna let him be the artist in my life and paint the canvas. Verse number seven says, for God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. It's my understanding the word sound mind came from a nautical term, which means no leaks. There's no leaks in this boat. God gave you a boat that don't have leaks. They asked Dwight Moody if he was full of the Holy Ghost. He said, yes, but I leak. You don't have a spirit of fear, Titus. If you do, God didn't give that to you. Amen. Amen. This is our challenge today is to turn our whys into worship. And you get to questioning God too much, you're going to be leaking some Holy Ghost. No, you didn't hear what I said, did you? You got to stand up and say, he's ordering my steps in his word. He will never take us where the grace of God cannot keep us. Fear is faith in the devil and a loss of faith in God. There is no devil after the third chapter of the book of Job. Do you know why? Because devils don't know what to do with worshipers. I've said that the third time in two weeks. I'm gonna run it by you again. The devil don't know what to do with a worshiper. Anybody can worship God with the 20 and four elders in the book of Revelation, but can you worship him when your king comes riding on the fall of an ass? 
can you still throw your branches down and sing, Hosanna, glory to God in the highest. (laughs) You know what Job did? He turned his, why is this happening to me into this? I came in naked and I'm going out naked. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Like the old song said, he ain't done me nothing but good. I'm gonna keep praising him. I'd never really answered any of Job's questions. God's cool. Instead of answering Job's questions, he asked Job 77 questions. Where were you when I hung the moon out there? Where were you? Do you know when these little wild mountain goats calved? Do you know? Do you know any of that, Job? Do you know there's a path where gold and silver and all is down in the earth? Do you he asked 77 questions. When he got through, Job said, hmm, I hate myself. That's what he said. I abhor myself. And repent in dust and ashes. Let me interpret that for you. I'm not God. But he is. <laughs> Boy, that was deep, wasn't it? The mentality says, I deserve this. Somebody owes me something. It's killing America right now. Amen? David felt like he deserved a break. He was entitled to a break. I'm older now. I've fought a lot of battles. I've been faithful. Maybe too much praise was heaped on him. He lost the shepherd, new convert mentality. Let me tell you what self-righteousness will get you. The best house in hell. Boy, that didn't go over very good, did it? Your self-righteousness, the prophet said, is as filthy rags in the sight of God. And your ears are too pure to know the meaning of that word filthy rags. You can go look it up. That's how much stake God puts in how good you are. I had a man tell me this one time. I paid my dues. He's a sinner in church. I don't mean by that he's too old to get up. I mean by that he's saying, well, I used to do all that, but I paid my dues. This thing's going downhill quick, isn't it? You think so, my brother? You think you paid your dues? You think God looks at you and thinks about how holy you are? You ain't nothing without God. You're a miracle of the grace of God. I'm working on some of you right now from the top of your head to the... There was a guy telling me one time about how holy he believed it. His holiness was mostly what he didn't do. 
I don't do this and I don't do this. And one thing he forgot was the tithing. He don't pay his tithes. And the Bible said, I had to show him that verse. It said the tithe is holy. So do you believe in holiness or not? That entitlement mentality will kill you dead so quick. Revelation 21 and 8 says, but the fearful and the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the whoremongers, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Nobody here has a problem believing that the abominable and the whoremongers and the idolaters and liars are gonna have a place in hell. But I ask you to back up and read the first two that are going to hell. It's the fearful and the unbelieving. Fear is faith in the devil. At some point in your life, you get up and say, I'm going to the house of God and worship. I'm going to let God be the artist in my life. He's painting painting my canvas, and whether I see him on a throne or whether I see him on a donkey, I'm going to come in here and worship and praise God. I heard a preacher say this week, shared it with my wife, that worry is proof that you do not trust God. Let me tell you something this morning. I want to get the devil out of my life, and the best way I know to get him out of my life is when I walk through the valley to get up on my feet and say I'm going to worship like I've never worshipped before. We all know the liars are going to hell but did you know the fearful and the unbelieving are also going to hell? Amen. At some point, I got to get up every day and say, I'm going to look unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise, would you? Jesus said in John 12 and 32, and if I be lifted up, I will draw men unto me. Here's the solemn truth in our minds. Shouldn't we be asking, did we lift Jesus up this morning? It's not time to impress. It's time to impact. The way I impact is by lifting Jesus up. I lift Jesus up and he does the heavy lifting. He draws all men unto himself. Let me tell you, Lucifer became a devil worshiping God in heaven. You cannot choose performance over relationship. Don't think you can sit with the playboys and be used of God. Run with a carnal and be used of God. This ain't going over as good as some of the other stuff I said. You'll never be more like the devil than when you want the glory for yourself. When you want applause for yourself. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 20, no flesh should glory in his presence. My God in heaven, I know that Paul taught Timothy in every great house there are vessels of honor and there are vessels of dishonor. That means in this great house we have the potential to have vessels of honor and vessels of dishonor. I want to be a vessel of honor to you. I want to be that guy, that woman that stands up and say I'm not here to glory in the presence of God, I'm here to lift up Jesus. 
if we can get Jesus up. Woo! Somebody shout right now, we can get him up. If I be lifted up, I'll draw me in unto myself. Hallelujah. God put more emphasis on relationship than he did worship. And that's what happened to David. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 23, Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way, and be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. That's about the most ignored scripture in the Bible. We think God's impressed with us because we did our little do what he do do up here. And we're harboring grudges and evil and envy and strife against a brother or sister. Jesus said, get your hide out of the altar. Keep quick clapping your hands. Take your hands down out the air. Yeah, go find your brother and get reconciled. Can I say it again? God seemed to put more emphasis on relationship than he did your worship. God wants you to love your neighbor as yourself. He said all the law hangs on two commandments. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as, I'm saying some mighty good stuff right now. I heard an old preacher say one time, there's a difference between being devoted and having a devotion. We have a lot of devotions today. The early church was devoted. Amen. Big things impress us, but little things define us. What you do in secret is what you really are. Harold Hoffman said the secret of holiness is holiness in secret. What what would you do if you knew nobody would ever find out? What would you do? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Somebody say amen. amen. David wanted God's presence. Saul fell in love with the palace. David fell in love with his presence. He said in Psalm 16, in thy presence is fullness of joy. And at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. And when David's baby died, he knew he only had one place to go. He wasn't going to seek out a prophet, a counselor, anybody else. And I'm against any of that. He said, I'm going to worship God. I'm going to let him paint the canvas of my life. I'm going to turn my life over to God. And he's going to put a dark blot right here at this stage in my life. I brought it on myself. David was never a worshiper, and he produced a Michael. Michael never understood David's dancing before the Lord with all of his might. She never got a hold of that. The Bible said in 2 Samuel 6 and 16, as the Lord, as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael saw his daughter look through a window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. David didn't take dancing lessons after he got to the palace. He took dancing lessons with the sheep. The secret of holiness is holiness in secret. Before there was a crowd, before there were young maidens on the side of the road singing, David hath killed ten thousands. David had already learned that in the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. 
somehow in the darkest moment of his life, he said to himself, if I can only get in his presence. I've been there before and I know what it'll bring to me. He had a lot of reasons asked why. Why am I anointed and running for my life? Why am I anointed to be king and I'm sleeping in a cave? But David understood he could turn his wise into worship. And so in the cave, he wrote some songs. While I'm here in this dark cave, I'll just sing a song. I'll just pen something. God puts a higher value on relationship than he does on performance. David found out that when God anoints you, he doesn't do it for you. That when God anoints someone, it's always for somebody else. Jesus said, there are weightier matters of the law, Matthew 23 and 23, and he talked about the scribes and the Pharisees. He said, you pay tithe on mint and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These you ought to have done. Don't leave the other undone. We can get caught up that Pentecostals and we got to be careful. Jonah was running from the presence of the Lord. Jonah chapter 1, he got in trouble. David ran to the presence of the Lord. Saul never worshipped. There's no record, no recording of any time he ever worshipped. He only built an altar at the end of his life. It said in Saul built an altar to the Lord. He developed a metitlement mentality. God found him out there hiding pulled him up, anointed him, made him king over Israel, but he never kept that new convert attitude. I mean, when they found him, he didn't think he was worthy, but now he's got the entitlement mentality and he can disobey God a little bit. He found out that partial obedience to God is disobedience. Yeah. God gave me the Holy Ghost when I was 11 years old. I don't want to ever lose the feeling I had that night. That day going home from youth camp when I couldn't wait to bail out of that car. And run tell my sweet mother, I got the Holy Ghost. I got the Holy Ghost. The crow, I don't ever want to lose that new convert attitude. Except you be converted and become as a little child. I love little River so much. He can be gone from the house 10 minutes and come back to the house and it's like he hadn't seen us in two years. I want to be that way with Jesus. I want to be that way with him. Because I wouldn't be here without him. What about you? We got any survivors in the house? You know why you're a survivor? Because his mercy is new every morning and his compassions fail not. That's why you're here. Woo, I didn't entitle myself to this. God who was rich became poor for our sakes that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. 
If you feel like I do right now, that no flesh should glory in his presence, would you jump up on your feet? Would you throw your hands up in the air and say, God, let my prayer be like incense unto you this morning and the lifting of my hands like the evening sacrifice. I didn't deserve this. Oh, no. Two Sunday mornings ago when Brother Ryan preached that masterpiece and he had that cologne up here, you know, in a sandwich sack, and he had his hammer, and he busted it, and he brought Abram up here and pulled his shoes off and started putting that cologne on Abram's feet. I understand Abram hadn't washed his feet since. That's a lie. That's not true. I was standing about over here where Brother Ryan is right now and I smelt that fragrance. And I couldn't help but go back to that day when that little woman, and I remember that song. When they criticized that lady, that alabaster box, you don't know where he found me. You don't know where I've been. You don't know when he found me, I had seven demons in me and he rebuked those demons and they left me. I want my praise to be like incense to the Lord today. I think we ought to fill the front of this house up, guests, visitors, whoever you may be, we're getting ready to sing again. And I think we need to turn our wise into worship. Because there's been many, many times when I don't have a clue what the answer is for the dilemma some of you are facing, even some of you right now. I can't explain to Linda Littleton why she lost her husband of 50 years so suddenly and quickly over a crazy bacteria that got in his body. Shut his organs down. I can't explain that to her when we were praying and taking thousands. But I found me a verse in Psalm. He turned my mourning into dancing. I'm going to do like David. I put the brush in the master's hand and say, you paint my life, God, because I'm not qualified. And whether you're on a throne or on a donkey, it matters little to me. I'm going to worship you because you're great and greatly to be praised. Everybody in the house, clap your hands to him right now. I wish everybody would press your way as close as you can to the front of this church while you're clapping your hands. I want you to start offering some praise to God this morning and remember, he values relationship more than performance. God knows you in ways that I don't know you. I never judge somebody's worship because I can't judge their motive. I don't do that. Oh, but I know he's been good to me. And irrespective of what you do, I've got a praise in my heart for the Lord. Come on, Bozier. Learn how to dance when nobody's looking. Learn how to worship when nobody's watching. Hallelujah. Woo. Oh, my God. Oh, my Lord. 
Somebody ought to reach out and touch him right now. Somebody ought to reach out and touch him right now. Amen. Somebody ought to reach out and touch him right now. like we used to do it. Let's sing it like we used to do it. You have turned. Hey, my morning in the dancing. Hey, you have turned. Joy. Turn. You have turned. a little child. somebody you don't talk to a lot right now and we're going to go home we're going to go to Arby's or Whataburger or Burger King or Shane's or Olive or wherever you want to go I want you to tell somebody something the Lord has done for you that kept you here just remember a time when he took you through the valley of the shadow of death remember a time I'm a product of the grace of God yeah Woo! hallelujah I'm a product of the grace of God. Wouldn't be here without His love, His mercy. Come on, go to somebody you don't usually talk to. Get out of your, get out of your routine. Get out of your place. Share something with somebody. This is how we overcome. This is how we overcome. This is how we overcome. 